Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McCain. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message. We started this message last week with the bridge of fear. So if you didn't get to hear that, that teaching will change your life. Go back to our YouTube channel, watch that, or you can download our app, Church on the Hill, Texas, and view it on the app. It'll really change your life. Now, as we got into this series, we had kind of a key passage. We found it in the book of Matthew chapter 7. And let me just kind of explain to you what the series is about. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. Read along with me if you have your Bibles ready. It says it like this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate. And broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus is giving his Sermon on the Mount message, and it's kind of like his key message of uh, kind of laying out his doctrine and, and, and how God's nature is all, what it's all about. And so he's looking at his disciples, and in his time frame, the Romans had built these huge, massive roadways. They were known for being able to conquer the parts of the world that they conquered because as they went forward with their troops, they built these roads that they could move equipment and supplies quickly. And Jesus, in, his, in the people's mind that are sitting there with him, he's comparing his relationship with them to a road. Broad is the road, like the Romans built. And everybody's on that road, and it's leading to destruction. But narrow is the road, the pathway, that little footpath, and for years, hundreds, thousands of years, the ancients had walked these pathway roads. And Jesus is correlating the pathway to our relationship with him. And really what he's kind of coaching us on is that Christianity and following Jesus is about moving forward on that road, on that pathway. It's about growing and continuing to grow. And as you, as you walk any pathway or as you ride any pathway, there are going to be obstacles on that pathway. And what we do is we build bridges over them. Thus, the title of the series, Bridges. And I have found over the years, as I've ministered to tons of people, that people get to a place where that bridge begins to start. There's a giant chasm below them. It's pretty treacherous and dangerous. Maybe it's uh, a waterway, or maybe it's just cliffs and sheer rocks below them. And I've watched people stop their journey with Jesus because they said, I'm not going across that. That's too much. I'm comfortable right here. I didn't expect to have to keep moving. Can I just explain something to you? Just because you became a Christian didn't mean that all your problems were going to go away. In fact, you had to learn to walk through some things, and that really is the premise of this entire series called Bridges. And I can't tell you how frustrated I've been as a pastor, not only with my own life, but with others that I've been coaching. And they get right there to that spot, and they go, nope, I'm not, I'm not, ooh, I'm not going across that, that, you know, that Ecuadorian uh, rope bridge that you know you're going to die if you try to go across it. And they get that fear in their mind. They get that place of, I'm not going across it anymore. And it is my job as your pastor, it is my job as the one who's ministering to you today to not only coach you and to teach you that there are bridges coming, but also how to cross those bridges. So go back and check out that fear one. Today, we're going to jump into a new bridge, and this bridge is the bridge of loneliness. Write that down, the bridge of loneliness. And you got to understand this. There are bridges in all of our lives that no one can hold our hand across. we got to go across them ourselves. Mama can't bring you across, baby boy, sorry. Pastor can't carry you across. Your spouse can't get you across. There are going to be bridges in this walk with Christ that we have to go across it ourselves. It's going to be lonely. It's going to be difficult. It's going to cause us to even doubt if God is even there. See, there are times where we all feel alone, deserted by others, 
left to face the enemies all by ourselves. There are times as though you're going to feel that even God himself has left you and abandoned you and turned his face away from you. And when those moments happen, realize that you are now crossing the bridge of loneliness. And the goal of the bridge of loneliness is to get to the other side, which will bring you to a new place of security in Christ. So you have to go through this fear, this loneliness fear, to actually come to a deep place of security in Christ, where you and I go, you know what, it doesn't really matter what happens to me. I know that he'll never leave me or forsake me. And you can hear that scripture all day long, but until you cross this bridge, only then will you actually have the depths of knowledge that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He keeps me and holds me in the palm of his hand. But the only way to get to that understanding is to cross this bridge called loneliness. You know, I've been a Christian now almost 36, 37 years. I've been in ministry for 30 years. And I'm telling you, I've crossed this bridge multiple times. And it's a scary bridge. Where I felt like God abandoned me. Where I felt like the people who were supposed to love me just didn't even know how to be there for me. I felt the depths of loneliness. I felt as though I was doing this all by myself. And I want to point out to you a couple of folks in Scripture who were crossing this loneliness bridge at multiple times in, our, in their lives. So here's a couple examples in the Bible of those who went across this loneliness bridge. Number one, how about David? Let me give you the backstory on David. Now, David wrote a big chunk of the book of Psalms. And David was considered a man after God's own heart. He was actually one of the kings of the Israelites. He was God's probably favorite, to be honest with you. When you read the Scriptures, you see how much God really loved David. But when David was a little boy... His parents, his dad, didn't really consider him that valuable. In fact, he had older brothers that were probably strapping, you know, and wonderful and big and, and courageous and the best on the football team. And David probably was a little scrawnier. And so David got stuck with the worst job in the family, and that was watching sheep. That would be paramount in our day to cleaning toilets. I mean, that was what he was stuck. But he had a good attitude about it. And while he would be out taking care and watching these sheep, God would speak to him. He would write songs to the Lord. Animals would attack his sheep, a lion and a bear. And God would give him the strength to beat them off and, and destroy them. A particular story in David's life that you probably are all familiar with is when the Philistines and the Israelites were going to battle. And David was sent by his, by his dad to bring food to his brothers who were in the army. And as he shows up, he hears this Goliath giant cursing the people of God and God himself. And David can't take it. He's probably about 16 years old at the time. And he loses his mind. And he goes, is anybody going to fight this guy? Who's going to go out there? And no one would do it. So he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And you all know the story. Come on, you saw the History Channel version. And he went out there with his little sling, you know. And he knocks him down. He cuts his head off. When he does this, everyone is like, what? Who is this guy? I mean, he goes from nobody to somebody overnight. In fact, the king, King Saul, invited him in to the palace. He became an official. In fact, he ended up being a general. And David began to have such great exploits that Saul became jealous of him. The king became jealous of this young man. In fact, they began to write songs about him. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And Saul's jealousy grew so deep that one day when David was playing the harp for him, he begins to try to kill him with a spear and he misses him. And David gets the hint, I'm not wanted anymore. And so he's best friends with Saul's son named Jonathan. So he goes to Jonathan and he goes, look, I think my dad, your dad's trying to kill me. <laughs> and Jonathan says, I don't, I don't think so. He goes, yeah, yeah, he's, he's missed a couple times, but, you know, his sniper vision is off. And Jonathan goes, well, let me check into it. And Jonathan comes back and says, yeah, he's going to kill you, bro. You better take off running. And David runs. And let's pick up this little passage in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1. 
It says, and David left Gath, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. This guy goes and runs to a cave, the cave of Adullam. The Bible just, the Bible's so cool about stuff, it just, you just throw it in there real quick. But if you research that out, you talk about a lonely place. He goes, he's just been, I mean, listen, at this point, David, he is more popular. He's, he's got more social influence than Justin Bieber. I mean, he is the guy. Everybody's talking about him. Everybody's tweeting about him. Everybody's trying to follow him on Instagram. He's making cool TikTok videos. This guy is popular. And now he's running for his life, and he's hiding all by himself in a cave. If you'll keep reading, it actually says, and when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him. But I want you to point out to you the loneliness that David all of a sudden is experiencing. He's been a great man. He's, he's served God. He's only done good. He didn't do anything wrong. And now he's on this bridge of loneliness. I imagine he thought, I'm quitting. I don't want to do this anymore. But he got himself up and he kept going through it. How about this other person in the scriptures that had a pretty, uh, pretty lonely moment? How about Joseph? If you know the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, Joseph was this young man, and God gave him dreams and visions that he's going to be somebody great. His brothers got jealous of him, and his brothers literally sold him into slavery. Took this little Israeli boy and sold him to these slave traders, and they took him to Egypt and sold him into slavery. I want you to picture that you wake up one morning, and your brothers and sisters have hogtied you. And a black van shows up in the driveway and they throw you out in the van. And when you, and they put some needle in you. And when you wake up, you're in some Middle Eastern country and all you're hearing is la, 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 And you're like, what just happened to me? When all of a sudden, they tell you and they start beating on you because you're now a slave of theirs. And this little Joseph's a teenage boy when this happens. Can you imagine? Every night when he goes to bed, they chain him up so he doesn't escape. Joseph is in a lonely place. Joseph, he doesn't have mom to hug him. Dad hadn't come and, and you know, did take in number seven and come and rescued him. None of that's happened. And so in that process of loneliness, he's crying out to God. God's not solving the problem at hand. I want you to know, not long, how long you've been a Christian, you're going to cross this bridge. You say, I've never had this bridge yet. It's coming. Keep serving Jesus. There are going to be moments where you go, what? Where is everybody? Where's God? You're on the loneliness bridge. How about this other person in Scripture that really went through loneliness? How about this guy right here? Uh, I don't know, Jesus? How about Jesus? How about, him? How about him in the garden in Matthew chapter 26? Jesus is about to be crucified. They're going to come for him. And he gets his guys, his bros, the guys who have his back, the guys that he's invested in for almost three years. He says, guys, come with me. We're going to go in that garden. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. I need you. Well, we got you, Jesus. Let's go. We got you, Judas. He's gone, but we got you. So 11 of them go with him in the garden. And he says, come on, let's pray. So they all huddle up. And they start praying. They start having a prayer meeting. And then Jesus says, I'm going to go over here because you guys, your breath stanky or something. I'm going to get a little bit more kind of just me and the Father. And Jesus is over there praying, and it's intense. He can feel it. I'm about to be murdered. I'm about to be murdered. And he goes and gets, he just wants a little bit of support. And he goes there, and they're all sleeping. <laughs> And Jesus says to him, man, he starts waking up, couldn't, couldn't you tarry? Just, could you just stay with me for one hour? Can you just stay with me? About that time, here they come. Here come the guards. Here comes the rioting folks, if you will. And they've got torches in the night. And they've got billy clubs and spears and swords. And Judas walks up and puts the kiss on his cheek. And they go to take Jesus away. And the Bible says that every one of his disciples deserted him. 
They took off running. They deserted him. Lonely. And they take him and they spit on him. They beat on him. And then fast forward to that moment where he's on the cross in Matthew 27. And it says, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. Have you ever noticed that when you're on the loneliness bridge, it seems like everything is dark around you? It's like darkness all around you. It says, in the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness covered the entire land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lamatha, Shabbatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Feel his loneliness. And feel his brokenness of, God, I'm all by myself, as though God has turned his face away from me. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. It is my job to help you. Recognize it. You're going to come across this bridge. You may be on this bridge right now. You may be standing at the edge of this bridge going, I'm not doing it. I know when I first became a Christian, I had a lot of fellows that were my bros, and we did a lot of sin together. And I knew that if I was going to serve God, that probably most of them would stop being my friends. And that happened. And it was a lonely season. I felt like I stayed on that bridge. But what God was doing was allowing me to cross that so that I could come into deep security relationship with him where no one else ever mattered again but Jesus Christ. And that's where I live. I've crossed this bridge many times. And maybe that's where you're at right now. So let me give you a couple possible reasons. Write these down. These will help you. A couple possible reasons for loneliness in mind in your life. A couple possible reasons for loneliness. Number one, busyness has kept us from intimacy with Jesus. Busyness has kept us from intimacy with Jesus. You think about the person you're the closest to. You spend a lot of time with them. And what happens is we become insecure. We feel lonely even though God loves us and he won't ever abandon us. But we haven't spent any time with him because we've gotten so busy. We've gotten so busy that we've lost intimacy. We're not even intimate with him anymore. So we don't even feel his arms around us. We don't even sense that he's still with us. And we feel we can be surrounded by tons of people. Can I tell you some of the loneliest people I've ever met in the world are some of the most popular people. I'm talking about movie stars. I'm talking about big-name pastors. I've sat in the green room with men and women who are very sought after. You would think everybody wanted their, you know, their autograph. Everybody wanted them to pray for them and things. I've sat in the green room with some of these ministers, and they're the most lonely people in the world. They're so busy doing for God that they've lost intimacy with God. I've been there. It is a miserable state. I can remember thousands of people and I'm preaching to them, and I'm walking off the stage, and they're all like, un foto, un foto, pastor, un foto. And I'm just, I'm just loneliness. I feel like I'm all by myself. And the reason that was is because I was so busy doing for him that I lost intimacy with him. Here's the second possible reason why you might be uh, in this loneliness space, and that is because hidden sin is eating away at your core. Hidden sin is eating away at your core. You know what sin does? It humiliates us before the Father. He's not mad at us because he knows that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're his sons and daughters. He just wants us to repent. He wants to clean it up. He don't want, it, he don't want sin to destroy us. But what happens is that sin does to us. When you and I have hidden sin, we begin to walk in guilt and shame. And that guilt and shame isolates us. I can't tell you, uh, you know, back you know, when we have live gatherings, and, and some of my friends would be in service, and I could see you. I could see some of you. I could tell you were dealing with hidden sin because you just didn't even want to look up. We'd be worshiping in the middle of worship, and you just couldn't even lift, look up. You felt so, such shame, such insecurity. That's the plan of the enemy, to isolate you so that you never, ever, ever get back in rightness with the Lord. Here's a third reason why some of us maybe experience loneliness, and that is because God is calling you unto himself. 
Oh, wait for this one. God is calling you unto himself. See, let me explain something that God's going to do. God will frustrate everything that we find pleasure in just so we will turn our face back towards him. You may be saying, I just frustrated, right? That's God frustrating all the little things that you used to love, all the little things that keep you divided in tension and affection. He will frustrate that because he wants you. He wants to be with you because he loves you. Not what you do, he loves you. Not for what you can become, but for what you are right now. He loves you. Until you get that, you're going to feel the depths of loneliness. You're going to be like, God, where are you? And he's trying to say, right here. But you got to stop having all your affections running past this and running over here for money and over here for success and just give it to me and I'll give you everything. That's, that's the way of the Lord. But you and I miss that. And that's when we start feeling that loneliness. Here's the fourth reason I believe that we experience that loneliness and that is because you're actually being transformed. You're actually being transformed. See, God sometimes has to remove you from all of the public eye so that he could do the work inside of you and on you so that he can present you at another time to accomplish something that you never thought you could do. See, see, you're being transformed. You think about that whole illustration. Come on, some of you have been doing homeschool with your kids and you've had to do that science project. You think about that illustration of how a caterpillar goes into a cocoon state and every bit of its being begins to be transformed, liquefies. And then when it breaks out, it's a beautiful butterfly. See, loneliness gives you the opportunity to be alone with the Lord and let him transform you. See, this is less about loneliness and more about can we turn it into aloneness with the God that we serve. Every one of the men that I've mentioned here from David to Jesus, Joseph, what God was doing in that loneliness crossing was developing and transforming them into someone who could bring millions of people into right relationship with the Lord. It's about being transformed. So let me give you a couple thoughts, a couple steps on how to cross this loneliness bridge. You say, I'm not on it right now. Well, you're going to be, so you better take these notes. Because I don't want you calling me six months from now. What was that message again? No, no, take these notes. These will help you, okay? Here's a couple steps on how to cross the loneliness bridge. And I want to start with the statement of I will. Would you say that with me? Say I will. There you go. Number one, I will recognize loneliness as an opportunity to get closer to God. You want to cross that bridge? I'm going to recognize, you know what, this loneliness, and and everybody's not cheering for me. Everyone's not running after me. No one's asking me to help them. No one wants to be my friend. You know what? I'm going to recognize this is an opportunity to get closer to Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. I will. I make a decision. I will. Say it with me. I will. There you go. Make a decision in and of your own self. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. What does it say? And surely, he says, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. That's Jesus. Speaking to us, his disciples, I am with you forever. This is all about you and I, Jesus, getting closer and closer. I will recognize loneliness as an opportunity to get closer to God. Here's a second step that I would teach you. Ready for an I will? Give me another. I will. There you go. I will tell my will to have a talk with my emotions. I will tell my will to have a talk with my emotions. I don't know about you, but during this pandemic, my emotions have been everywhere. What'd they say? why they said that? God, where are you at? My emotions all over the place. I have the ability to speak to my emotions and say, no, sir. David said it like this. Why so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your faith in God. He spoke to his own emotions. 
and said, no, 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 line up with the word of God. Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. There's this amazing moment in David's life, the David that we mentioned earlier, the one who killed Goliath, the one who had to flee into loneliness, into the cave of Adullam. Years later, as David has tried to survive Saul killing him, he's gone over to the Philistines, the enemies of Israel, and he's pretended like he's going to be one of them. I hate them Israelites. I know I'm an Israelite, but I hate them Israelites. And he's been living there with his guys. They built families. They built them a little Mecca called Ziklag. They built them a little place where they could, they could have their own little town. And the Philistines go to war with the Israelites. So David gets all his men, and they're going to go against war against their own families, their own brothers and sisters. And the Philistine generals go, uh-uh, no. How y'all going to let this guy come up in here? He's going to end up turning on us in the middle of battle. Send them back home. So a couple days' journey to the battlefield, turn, turned them around, they, went on, they go back home. When they get back home, the Amalekites have snuck out of the mountains and have destroyed their city, kidnapped their wives and their children. I want you to think about that for a moment. Imagine some little podunk town in, you know, nowhere, you know, Midwest little town, and all the men go off to war, off overseas somewhere. And when they come back, the Can Canadians have snuck down and kidnapped all their wives and all their... The Canadians, you Canadians, y'all bad people right there, I ain't gonna lie. But, I mean, they have, they have stolen their four-wheelers, their trucks. They've taken everything and burnt the city down. That's what happens. And when, and when we look at this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 30, it says, And when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no more strength left to weep. They're crying. And then in the middle of that, it says this. The next verse says, And David's men went, It's his fault. It's David's fault. I have never been so lonely as whenever I got in leadership. I'm telling you, God bless you. Be careful about asking God to bless you. Lord, I want to be a manager. Ooh, careful. Lord, I want to have a big business and have all kinds of employees. Careful. Because the moment you step into leadership, you talk about a lonely place. You end up being everybody's problem. Somehow you did it because you don't want in charge. All these men signed up and went with David over here. And now that this horrible thing has happened, they're blaming him. And the Bible says this. See, he's already been across this bridge once, right? He's already been in this place of loneliness. He's by himself. They all have turned on him. And what does he do? He goes into the tent of meeting with the Lord. He gets on his face and he says, God, you've got to do something. You've got to speak to me. And the Lord speaks to him. He says, pursue the Amalekites. I will help you to defeat them and you will recover all. So he comes out of that tent, before y'all kill me, hold up. I want to tell you what the Lord says. The Lord says, pursue, and we will recover all. These men are already tired for having gone to battle, never got to fight, came back, and they're exhausted. And a percentage of them could not go and pursue the Malachites. They take off, they pursue them. Not only did they get everything back that was stolen from them, come on somebody, but they got to rob the Amalekites for even trying to rob them. They made money off the deal. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. Somebody stole your car and you made money off the insurance. Shame on y'all. Shouldn't be doing stuff like that. <laughs> Watch yourself. All right. So I will tell my will to talk with my emotions. I have a talk with my emotions. Number three, here's the third step that I would teach, and that is I will, this is a long one, okay? Take your time to write it down. I will reach into the garden of my life, and I will give to others the very emotion that I myself need. 
Let it sink. Mic drop. Okay. I will reach into the garden of my life, and I will pull out, I'll give to others the very emotion that I myself need. So I need respect right now. Ain't nobody respecting me. Then go give respect. He said, man, I need somebody to care for me. Nobody's even checked on me. Go check on somebody. Go care for somebody. Because my Bible says that whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. You're waiting on somebody to care for you. God's saying, I tell you what, I'm trying to get you across this bridge. I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to develop you. I'm trying to get you into a place where you're not worried about everybody else. Your security comes from me and me alone. So go ahead and pull that up out of your own little garden, your one little flower, your one little precious emotion, and go give it to someone else. And God says that he will not be mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. God himself, if no one else will care for you, God himself will care for you. If no one else will respect you, God will respect you. That's what the word says. Pull it up out of your own. Give it away, and God will cause it to come back to you. Here's the fourth piece I would teach you how to get across this bridge of loneliness. Number four, and that is, say it, say it with me, I will. That's all you need. I will embrace the training that I'm experiencing through this. I will embrace the training that I'm experiencing through this whole thing. See, that bridge of loneliness, it's training you in something. It's causing you to have another step of confidence, another place of security. That little boy Joseph that we talked about, who was made a slave by his own family. That man Joseph, who didn't even know the Egyptian language and had to learn the language from being a slave, was then mistreated again. He ended up in prison. While he was in prison, he continued to learn and to grow and to mature. God began to give him dreams, and he began to interpret those dreams. And some of you know the story. Little Joseph grew up into a man, and the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh of Egypt, had a dream that confused him. He, didn't, he knew it was prophetic. He knew, he knew some kind of God gave it to him, but he didn't understand it. And someone said, that little, there's a little dude in prison. He interprets dreams, and the Pharaoh called for him. And Joseph told him the answer to the dream. And that little boy, that little slave boy, ended up being vice president of Egypt. As a result of that, can I tell you something? Cross that bridge because it's creating something in you that you can be able to help others. Had Joseph not developed across that bridge of loneliness, through that loneliness, he could have never saved his family. The people Israel would have died off right then and there. Whatever you're going through, you feel lonely, you feel like, where's God? Where's the church? Where are my friends? Wake up, you're on the, you're on the, you're on the loneliness bridge. And like the old guy said one time, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep stepping it out. Come on now. Keep stepping that bad boy. Get on across that bridge. Don't sit out on that little bridge and it's swaying. You're going to die. I hate my life. Keep walking. Get on the other side. Learn what you need to learn so that you can be what you need to be so you can save those that you need to save. Hey, guys, wasn't that a great word today? You know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. The word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you see, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill in advancing kingdom business. You can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to PO Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.